how I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity there will be a day when all will bow before him there will be a day when death will be no more standing face to face with him The songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear. In the end, we'll see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears. There will be a day when all will bow. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And on that day, Join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you're joining us in person as well as online this morning. And now hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the people praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Amen. I invite you to stand and join us in worship.
lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I Good morning, Fusion family. Good morning. What a beautiful October day. A warm one at that. Anyone going to the beach this afternoon? (laughs) I got some hands going up. We know, we know where we live, right? Hey, uh, Fusion family, I I hope you have a smile on your face because uh, it is a beautiful uh, honor and privilege that we have this morning to claim God's covenant promises in baptism over Hayes Bernard. He's just looking at me right now like, what is about to happen? Just wait, buddy. 
And uh, baptism, we mark Hayes as God's son. We welcome him into the family of God. It is a special day of celebration for Zach and Karen, for the Tamminga family, for friends and family who are here as well. Uh, it's a powerful reminder to each of us as well uh, of God's grace that is extended to us. We, we just sang that song that reminds us that we are God's children, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about during our sermon uh, this morning. So thank you for setting this up, Hayes. You're the man. There we go, Harrison, thank you. And uh, this morning, Zach and Carol will make promises to Hayes, um, as well as our, the church family will make promises to both Hayes and to the family here. But the most incredible thing that's happening this morning is that God, in his abundant grace, is making promises to Hayes. Let's just pause and soak that in, that our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is making a promise over this little one this morning. God, God's word testifies to God's faithfulness and his covenant promises extended to his people. God established his covenant with Abraham and his descendants, even gave uh, Abraham's descendants and Abraham the sign of the covenant, circumcision that was given to, to infant boys eight days old. And in Jesus Christ, there is a new covenant a covenant that, that extends to both male, female, Greek, and Jew, slave and free, all people are given this opportunity to be claimed as God's children in faith, by faith. Baptism is the new sign and the new seal of God's promise and his new covenant people. And so we offer this gift of baptism to children as well as adults because we know that God's love for us precedes, comes before our love and knowledge of him. Hayes doesn't understand Right, how much you both love him and how many of us love this little boy. But that doesn't change the truth that you love him with every fiber of your being. It doesn't change the reality that he is your son. And in a similar way today, he doesn't understand uh, yet today, but Hayes becomes part of God's family based on our Heavenly Father's love for him. That's basically our sermon this morning. So uh, with that, I'd like to invite uh, the Tamminga family, Zach, Kara, Harrison, Hendrick. You guys join, join us here. Zach and Kara, because God has given you the responsibility to love and raise Hayes as your son, I ask you to make the following commitments. Uh, after I ask all questions, just answer, we do God helping us. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accept the promises of God and affirm the truth of the Christian faith which is proclaimed in the Bible and confessed in this church of Christ? Do you believe that your children, though sinful by nature, are received by God in Christ as members of his covenant and therefore ought to be baptized? And do you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct Hayes in his Christian faith and to lead him by your example to be Christ's disciple? Zach and Kara, what is your response? Amen. And now, Fusion family, I invite you to stand with Zach and Kara uh, in making commitments to Hayes uh, this morning, congregation of God. Uh, I'd ask you to answer these qu this question we do, God helping us. People of Fusion, do you promise to receive Hayes in love, 
to pray for him, to help instruct him in the faith, and to encourage and sustain him in the fellowship of believers, people of God. What is your response? And now let's remain standing as uh, an affirmation of these words that I am going to speak over Hayes. And if you'd like to extend a hand uh, to uh, affirm your agreement with these words, this is, comes from the Reformed, French Reformed liturgy that is on the screen. Uh, hear these words as they are true for this little boy. For you, little child, Jesus Christ has come. He has fought, he has suffered. For you, he entered Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and there he intercedes for you. All this was done for you, little one, though you know nothing of it yet. But we will continue to tell you this good news until it becomes your own. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love because he first loved us. God's people say, amen. And you all may be seated. All right, Harrison Hendrick. You guys want to touch the water? It's nice and warm, right? Years ago, you both were baptized I'm going to really put your dad to the test, see how long he can hold you like that. <laughs> he's, he's strong. But you guys were both claimed with these same waters because you both are children of God as well. And so we're going we're gonna to do the same for your brother. And as I understand, this is some special water. I don't know if you want me to share that, but, but this is water from the Jordan River uh, when Zach and Kara went to Israel. And so we're going to use these waters uh, as a reminder of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, boys, if you want to come around, you can watch. You're going to want to see this. Hayes Bernard, child of God, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's people, celebrate. Let's praise God. I, I also understand that that outfit is a special outfit. That one day, Zach, you fit, fit into that, right? And, and Tim, right? So there we go. Now that we all have that mental image. There we go. There we go. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We have uh, some things for you guys to, to take with you to remember. Uh, Harrison, if you want to help me, you want to, you want to, or you want to take the box. All right, in there we have the French Reformed Liturgy, and then we have here a certificate and a book. There you go, and then you guys can be seated. Thank you. Let, let's praise God one more time. And once again, as, as, a, as a verse to remember this moment, we remember the, the, the scene from Mark chapter 10 where people are coming to Jesus. They're bringing their children to Jesus to have him bless them. The disciples rebuke these parents and Jesus says, no, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And this is a promise that continues that uh, the kingdom of God belongs to our children and we have so much to learn from them as they, they run around in innocence and uh, it's a wonderful, beautiful reminder. Um, with that, let's lean into our God and join with me in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word that, that reminds us of, of promises, 
extended for generations. Or the psalmist in Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise God's holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Lord, this morning as we once again witness your promises, your grace, your abundant love, our hearts are filled with, with praise and thanksgiving because God, you are the one who redeems us. You are the God who is filled with compassion and mercy and we we thank you for this truth, Lord, this morning. We thank you, God, that, that even when we find ourselves in, in a season or a, or a, or a, or a moment of, of weakness and despair, Lord, you are, are like our, you are our Father in heaven whose arms are strong, whose arms are loving, and Lord, you hold us in those strong arms. We thank you, Lord, that that even, even in, in young age, Lord, we're prone to wander. And Lord, as we get older, maybe we're even more prone to wander from your ways. And Lord, we fall into the temptations that are all around us, Lord, to look out for ourselves above others, Lord, to, to, to fight against others, and Lord, to, to not live the way of Jesus. But Lord, we thank you for your compassion. Your word in Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Later saying, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of compassion and forgiveness and mercy. And so Lord, we are gonna fail you each and every day. But Lord, that doesn't define us, Lord. You define us. And so Lord, we, we pray to you, Lord, in the ways this week that we've turned from you, in the ways that we've, we've thought of ourselves above our neighbor, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. And we thank you that by the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, we are forgiven. And Lord, your spirit continues to walk with us and to show us what it looks like to live and walk as Jesus did on this earth. And Lord, one of the ways that, that you live, Lord, is you lived a life that, that showed us what ministry looks like. What does it mean to live uh, considering others' needs above our own? Lord, living to, to work to end oppression and injustice. Lord, the psalmist says the Lord is, works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed in verse six. And Lord, as your church, Lord, we pray that you would show us what that looks like, not only on a macro scale, and Lord, how we can live as citizens of this world and citizens of this country, but Lord, even on the micro level as well, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, what does it mean to be those who do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our Lord? Lord, show us what that looks like today and this week. And God, finally, we, we lift up those who are hurting in our community. We lift up those who are, who are walking through difficulties, Lord, whether it's uh, beginning chemotherapy treatments, Lord, we pray for your healing mercy, for your strength and for your encouragement. For those, Lord, who are walking through illness and, and, and on that journey toward recovery, we pray for healing. Lord, for those who continue to journey that, that long and difficult road of grief because someone they loved is no longer with them, we pray, God, that you administer your mercy. And, and Lord, as we pray that your spirit would intercede in supernatural ways, Lord, may we as your body, the church of Jesus Christ, Lord, intercede in ways that are simple and yet powerful. Lord, to be present, 
to be near those who need to experience your presence. And Lord, may we continue to grow into that, not only here at Fusion, but across campus with our three worshiping communities. Lord, that we would reflect the love of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that that love would be felt in real and tangible ways in this community. And Lord, would it spill over into our neighborhoods and communities here in, on the lake shore and beyond. Do that work in us and through us and among us, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, amen. With that, just a couple of announcements. Uh, our young ones, little ones, you guys can head off to children's worship this morning. Uh, enjoy that time of uh, learning and growth. Uh, also, just uh, one other announcement. Uh, you received an email this week, I believe Wednesday uh, in the afternoon. If you are not on our email list, um, reach out to the office and we can get you added to our email list, but there's a lot of information coming across uh, via email as well. And uh, you, you, if you were reading your email, uh, you got an email from April about Faith Friends, which is uh, an amazing new ministry where we are trying to pair up uh, adults with students, uh, K through 12. Uh, and the commitment is for one year. Uh, you pair up with a student and it's, 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 it's simple stuff, little notes of encouragement, uh, saying hi on a Sunday morning so that our, our young ones know that there is a church family beyond their parents and families that love them and care for them. And the vision is, uh, after how many years, they're gonna have all of these faith friends who they know love them and support them. What a beautiful vision. And uh, so consider that as a, as a simple way to minister to our young people. Uh, with that uh, beautiful day, let's jump into God's word together. Uh, let me just take a deep breath. Okay, you, you want to take a deep breath with me? There's something uh, calming about actually taking a deep breath. Um, a beautiful, beautiful reminder of God's covenant promises baptism uh, really leads beautifully into our vision series uh, this morning specifically. Uh, this morning we are continuing our fall series that we've been calling uh, Who Are We? Uh, who Are We? We've been camped out in Ephesians chapter 2 and also looking throughout the book of Ephesians and exploring kind of some working vision language. Again, working language because you will be invited to speak into that as we dialogue, as we discern together as a community. You know, what is God calling us and what is God, God calling us to as far as ministry as a community here at Hardawike? That language uh, that is on the screen there is to see everyone joining in the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus. The first three weeks that we just wrapped up, we looked at everyone joining in the journey, and we started with that, that this, this vision is the same vision of the gospel that is good news for everyone, and how important it is to, to broaden our circles, to tear down the walls that often divide us in society and in culture. And then we looked at what is it what, that our all ultimate hope is, is that everyone would join with Christ, right? Our prayer and our hope that we would, be, we would be joined with Christ through faith and by implication as we join with Christ, we become part of the body of Christ, which we call the church of Jesus Christ, right? 
We're part of this community. And then last week, we looked at the journey itself and, and how this is a journey that is filled with obstacles and temptations and, and failures and opposition. And we considered how we might be prepared and proactive for this lifelong journey, that this journey of faith is a lifelong journey. Uh, and, and what does it mean to be grounded in the truth of the gospel and to be those who are, are committed to daily praying and calling out to God? Everyone joining in the journey. We kind of shift now to that bottom line, these, these three things that really get at the question that frames our series, who are we? We talk about we are found in Christ, core. We're talking about identity, our identity in Jesus Christ, which leads us in, uh, to who are we becoming, formed by, and what are we, and how are we to live our lives following Jesus Christ. So once again, to enter this discussion, uh, we're going to jump into the gospel waters of Ephesians 2. If you're willing and able, I'd invite you to stand as we hear God speak to us this morning. I don't know how many of you are uh, engaging in some other disciplines around the book of Ephesians. I know for some of us, memorization is hard. Um, it's hard for me. Uh, but I've been trying to read through the book of Ephesians every week uh, still. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And Father, we thank you for your word indeed. We thank you, Lord, that these words penned 2,000 years ago continue to speak truth into our different context. Spirit, we pray that you would alive in our hearts and our minds so that, Lord, we would, we would hear from you, that you would encourage us where we've been discouraged, that you would remind us in the truths that are real, more real than the lies the world wants us to believe. And Lord, in all these things, we'd be reminded of exactly who we are as your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just this uh, past week, I was uh, watching a presentation titled Becoming a Non-Anxious Presence uh, by Pastor John Mark Comer, who's based uh, in the Portland, Oregon area. In that talk, he, he pointed out this observation as he was summarizing a, a book by Edwin H. Friedman called Failure of Nerve, Leadership in the Age of the Quick Fix. 
He was looking at data uh, and summarizing this data for today, uh, saying this. It's on the left there. Saying that the West, West meaning America, the, the, the Western world, is progressing economically and technologically, Meaning that in our, in our culture and in the West, there's, we have more money, there's a higher standard of living, there's advances in technology, science, and medicine that are quite amazing. Uh, there's a higher lifespan than any other time in human history. And yet at the same time, the data would suggest that the West is regressing both emotionally and relationally. Anxiety and depression, uh, mental health disorders are all on the rise to bring some experts to conclude that it is kind of at an epidemic proportion. A Pew study in 2019 uh, cited that anxiety and depression is the most prevalent problem among our young people. That's the, the graph on the right. Uh, over 95% or so say that this is a problem among their peers. Uh, across generations, across age groups, 39% of people surveyed self-reported that in that year they were more depressed or anxious than the year before. And that was before everything that's transpired in the last year and a half to two years. From a contentious political cycle, political polarization, to a global pandemic, to unrest in our streets, things that we've called traumatic, like ongoing trauma. The data suggests that we are more anxious today than we were a generation ago. And the question that, that just begs is, is why? Why is it that it seems as a whole we are more anxious than we were years ago? Now, let me be clear, I don't have that answer. Um, the full answer to that question is more layered and complex, and uh, let me just be clear, well beyond my own personal training to try to even begin to address. But it does raise some questions in my own heart is uh, not just on a macro level, but maybe even on an individual level, how much does this question around identity contribute to anxiety in our lives? Our series centers around a fundamental question around our identity as a community. Who are we? Uh, an important question for each of us to ask ourselves is, is who am I, right? Who am I? Um, I don't know, anyone watches Zoolander? Every time I say who am I, I think of the movie Zoolander where he's looking at the puddle. Who am I? And his puddle reflections is, I don't know. Anyway, right, who am I? Who am I? People answer this question in a variety of ways, Right? The things that, that we present to the world, the words, the statements, things that we hang inside our house, the signs that we place in our yards, the, 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 the things that we put on our bodies, maybe tattoos or on our clothing, the messages we wear on our clothing or the bumper stickers we put on our cars, we're all, all these things are trying to communicate with the world something about who we are that we want to communicate and make clear. Get to the digital world, right? Social media then has given this whole new platform to communicate to the world. Though I think we sometimes have an inflated uh, idea of who we are communicating to, right? It's not as far reaching as it, uh, we might think. Uh, 
But one of the things I was just, I was just scanning this, this, this week that, that I found interesting um, was, was Twitter. And uh, anyone, are you familiar with Twitter? It's like Facebook and all the anxiety-producing things of Facebook without the pictures. Okay, so that's Twitter. Um, but Twitter is, uh, you have a profile. And on your profile, there's a Twitter bio. And you have 160 characters, not words, 160 characters, like letters, spaces, any kind of characters, to summarize who you are to the world. Who are you? Your bio in 160 characters or less. And it was just interesting. I was just scanning different Twitter pr- profiles and, uh, to see what people include in their bio. For many, it's their public role, uh, their career, their job, pointing to their employer. For others, it's the things they're passionate about. For others, it's, it's putting their accomplishments or works or books that they've written in their Twitter bio. Uh, for others, it's, it's pointing them to other social media platforms. Others, it's, it's putting in their Twitter bio their relationship to others. Uh, my Twitter bio is that. It's husband, father, pastor, right? My relationship to others. Uh, for others, it's just including a funny quip, right? They want to be creative. All this is to say is looking at different Twitter bios, I, I, I found it interesting as what people choose to include to show this little snapshot of who they are. Because I think each of these things reveals some things that we're prone to as far as modern identities. Who am I? Let's talk about modern identities. There's countless ways that one could answer and finish this statement. I am blank. Who am I? I am fill in the blank. We could talk about our race or ethnicity, our gender or sexuality, religion, relationship to others. It could go on and on and on. And some people might not even know how to answer this question. Who are you? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, right? But when we talk about our true identity, what I'm really getting at is where do we draw meaning? Where do we draw purpose? Where do we draw value and worth? Who am I? Henry Nouwen, in his book, Reflecting on the Parable of the Prodigal Son, titled Home Tonight, identifies three lies uh, that I want to call misplaced identities that we have to fight against. Places, how we finish this statement, I am, uh, and these are misplaced identities. He observes these three. I am what I do. I am what I have. And I am, or I am what other people think of me. These three misplaced identities, for me, really struck a nerve because I, I think even as, even as Christians, it's so easy to, to find our identity in one or maybe more of these three misplaced identities. So let's just talk about these because I, I don't know about you, but they, 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 they hit a nerve for me. Let's talk about all three. I, I am what I do. I am what I do. For many of us, we place our value, we, we place our worth in what we accomplish. Right? We draw identity from our, our work or our career. So when retirement rolls around, I mean, that becomes like an identity crisis, right? Who am I if I'm not doing this line of work? For, for, for us, for some of us, being unproductive feels difficult. It feels wasteful. Like, I, it's, it's hard to just sit around on a Saturday morning because I should be doing something 
We place a lot of value and worth in our career and success. Rest is hard, so this command to Sabbath is hard. Not only that, but recognition for our work is important. Our contributions in many ways drive us and motivate us to keep going. I am what I do. The second identity, I am what I have. I am what I have. Now, this could be placing our identity and value in the things we own. And so for some, that might drive us to get fancy things, to have all the latest fashion or a certain vehicle or a home that looks a certain way. Maybe for some of us, it's being particular about the things we own, right? And we have a home and and we want our house to look perfect, particularly when we have guests over. We want our yard uh, to be perfectly groomed and, and not have any weeds or anything in it. I'm I mentioned this before, I'm falling into that, right? I'm like, look at those weeds, right? Uh, or, or maybe, when, and, and, the other, and the, on the flip side of that, when other people don't care for the things that they have, it kind of drives us a, a, a little out of our mind, right? Where we, we don't understand how someone could be so careless about the things they own, right? On the flip side of this, with I, I am what I have, it could also be uh, an incessant worry about do I have enough? Right? So it's not so much about accumulating all of these things, but it's, it's this wondering, do we have enough in the bank account? And when that savings account, whatever that number is, dips below that, that's whatever that number is, you're like getting anxious. Or you're looking at your retirement account and the fluctuations of the market and you're watching that and you're like, oh, do we have enough? And I, and I share this for all three of these, not, a, not to induce guilt or shame or any of that. For many of us, it's our background. Like maybe you have a grandparent who, who grew up in a situation where things were sparse and they didn't have a lot and so that, that begins to form that as you get older, you don't want that for your kids, right? We, we understand there's reasons behind that but I am what I have becomes a lie that we believe. The third one is I am what others think of me. For others and, and just full disclosure, this is, this is my temptation this is what I struggle with. Um, we, we find our security and worth in the approval and the love uh, and admiration of others. And so this, this, this seeking approval of others is what, what guides many of our decisions. And so disappointing someone is like the worst thing that can happen. And it can lead us to... to to operate to accomplish a lot or to have a lot, but, but at, the, at the root of it, it's to, to maybe please our parents or our spouse, and so I'm gonna to work to achieve or to gain all these things, but it's really because I want the approval of this person who I love in my life. And you add into the mix social media, right? That only drives this lie to the extreme because all, all the, like social media is just a bunch of people scrambling to, to curate this particular image on social media and be celebrated. And oh, how that can be a, a dangerous pit to get sucked into. I am what others think of me. Here's the problem with all three of these misplaced identities. All three of them. I am what I have, I am what I do, I am what others think of me. All three of them, uh, if we believe those lies, we are, we are chasing a moving target. Right? The book of Ecclesiastes, a chasing after the wind, right? You can't catch the wind. 
We're chasing after a moving target that's constantly moving away from us if we believe and live into these misplaced identities because let me ask the question, will you ever do enough to satisfy? Will you ever have enough? There's, there's a quote by Rockefeller, right? Like, what's enough? Just a little more or something? I'm, I'm probably, right? Will you ever have enough? Will you ever be loved enough by enough people? You see how these misplaced identities are just moving targets that keep moving away from us. And because of that, these misplaced identities, I think, contribute to feeling insecure and uncertain and and filled with worry and anxiety and, and just plain tired, exhausted. When we place our identity in these things, when we draw our meaning and our purpose and our value and worth in these lies that will, will never find contentment, and I mean contentment in the best sense of that word. We'll always be chasing after some ideal that's unreachable. And in our digital world, again, a global world of curated, perfected projections of everyone, how will we not compare our lives to others? And how will we not then begin to fall into the lies of the enemy as we talked about last week? Who's just gonna keep whispering these lies because we're falling into that trap? What have you done with your life lately? Why, why are you stuck in this career? Can you hear those lies from the enemy? You know, your life is, is boring. You need a little more excitement. Do you have enough fun? You need a little more. You deserve more. Do you have enough? Other lies about what people think of us and, and you get on social media. Imagine what so-and-so must be thinking. What do, what do they really mean by that comment? Do they, are, what, what are they thinking? Do you, do you think he or she still loves you. These are all lies from the enemy that we fall right into if we misplace our identity in these things. Again, I'm not saying this is the cause or the reason for the increasing anxiety in our world, but it sure seems to me, as I experience my own life, that it contributes to the anxiety in my heart and likely to the world. It's exhausting if we don't know who we are. But here's the good news. Better be good news, right? Jesus gives us a new identity. One that's completely found in Jesus Christ. Who are you? You are one who is found in Christ Jesus. Our text, Ephesians 2, only hints at this uh, through the idea and truth that we spoke of a a few weeks ago. Do you remember? We talked about uh, joining with Christ, this idea, this theological truth of being united with Christ. And we looked at the prepositions in Ephesians chapter 2, being raised with Christ, being made alive with Christ, and then this idea that we are in Jesus Christ, this idea of union with Christ. That's such an abstract kind of idea. What does that mean? How do we, how do we find I- identity in that? Well, God knows that we need some word pictures, right? And so the Apostle Paul gives us this powerful word picture in Ephesians chapter one, just a, few, a page before chapter two. And he also uses the same word picture in Romans chapter eight. It's a powerful word picture to understand our union with Christ that gives us a new identity in Christ. It's the same word picture really we draw on in baptism, right? That that we are adopted as God's children. That's the word picture, that we are adopted children of God, that we are God's children. 
This is our, ident- our identity in Christ Jesus, that we are children of God. In Ephesians 1, as well as Romans 8, Paul uses a Greek word that is translated. Adoption to sonship in the NIV. Yeah, it's, a, it's a compound word. Huiothesia. Uh, I'm not gonna make you say that. I can hardly say that. But you'll see on the screen, it's, it's a compound word from the words for son uh, and the word tethemi, which we've used um, weeks prior, to place. And so this compound word literally means to place on the title of son. Adopted into sonship, right? Adopted to sonship, a pretty good translation Now, it's important to mention that uh, obviously adoption into Christ is for both men and women. So so why hold on to this uh, word son in the English translation? And here's why it's significant. Because in the ancient Roman world, right, in that particular context, adoption, this form of adoption was an important legal procedure, typically uh, reserved for wealthy adults who did not have a blood heir to leave their estate. They did not have a biological son who would inherit all their estate, right? And so this became a practice of adopting a new son who would become the heir to all that the father has, right? This is the imagery that the Apostle Paul is leaning into. And the adoption to sonship in the Roman world had ramifications immediately. This new son received a new name, his debts would be paid by the father and the father would then res, res, uh, would become responsible for any new debts incurred by that son and then this new son would be obligated to honor and please his adopted father, right? This is powerful in imagery. Paul captures some of the theological significance in Romans 8 verses 14 through 17. With that context, see how this applies theologically to all of us who are children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit, Paul writes, we are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. What Paul is saying, in Christ we receive this gift of grace. Through faith we become children of God. And as God's children, we receive all the benefits of God's Son who is Jesus Christ. And again, this is all by grace. In Ephesians 1, the emphasis is on God's choosing and God's plan that we, are, we have been chosen by God as his children just as an earthly parent chooses to adopt their child, right? This, co- this is covenantal theology. Covenantal theology, which is why we baptize our children because these promises are extended to our children as well. And when we understand, we believe this truth that our primary, the defining thing that identifies us as God's children, if we, if we embrace this gospel identity, then it leads us to feeling a sense, and as we grow in it, really, we, as we grow in this identity and believing in this identity, we grow in security and assurance and wholeness and peace and intimacy with God. 
All these things we gather from Romans 8. There is a security as God's children, right? Paul writes that we don't live in fear as a slave lives in fear of their master. No, we live in the security of the love of our Father in heaven. There is this assurance in our identity. As Paul writes, the, the Spirit of God reminds us our, it reminds our spirits of who we are, that we belong to Jesus Christ. There's this wholeness and peace that, that comes from knowing that our inheritance, that we are co-heirs, that our future is secure no matter what happens here on this earth, that our inheritance is secure in Jesus Christ. And finally, maybe my favorite is there is this intimacy with the Father that we gain as God calls us his children to the point where we get to address our Heavenly Father as Abba, Father, which is an Aramaic word that, that, sh- that, is, that with it comes deep intimacy. It'd be like uh, for our children saying, Daddy or Papa. That's the kind of relationship that we have with the Heavenly Father, right? Who are we? Who are you? Friends, we remember this identity. We are adopted children of God. We are those who belong, body and soul, in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The first question in our catechism reminds us of who we are. We are found in Jesus Christ. And there's something about this table There's something about these baptismal waters and what we got to witness as Zach and Kara came came up front as Hayes is here just sleeping in his mother's arms, right? To see your love for your children just just bursting out. Like we can just see it visibly. Love for for little Hayes who's, who's helpless on his own. Yet he's secure in his parents' arms. Hayes who is who is unaware of what's going on, and yet he's deeply loved. And as he grows, he will come to know your love, and you will then become the source of his security and assurance and wholeness and love. Our children find their security at a young age in their parents, right? The same is true for all of us and our children. Like we, we love our children, even though as our kids get older, we know they can be stinkers sometimes, right? And they can drive us a little bonkers, but man, we love them with every fiber of our being. And that is only a glimpse of how the Heavenly Father feels about you. Remember who you are. You are God's child, his beloved child. He loved you so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was willing to die so that our heavenly father would have communion with us for all eternity. Don't forget who you are. You are God's beloved child. Let's go to our God and pray. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for the truth of who we are. As we remembered last week, the enemy and the world, and Lord, there's all these forces that are are whispering lies about who we are. Lord, those misplaced identities just... Just put us on a hamster wheel where we can never keep 
up and it's exhausting. And Lord, for some of us, maybe here, even in this moment, whether we're here in this room or we're watching online this morning or later this afternoon, Lord, maybe, maybe right now we are feeling that exhaustion. We're tired. Maybe we're anxious. Lord, we just pray that Holy Spirit, you would you would whisper that truth into our hearts and our minds. That we are, we are your beloved. And not, Lord, that, that that makes all of our problems disappear, but Lord, it gives us something to stand on. Something that is true. Something that is solid. And so, Lord, may we be reminded of that truth this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no Sin has many feet. 
words. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.